Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn over the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 12 is where we're going to, uh, where we're going to start tonight. Hey, let me give you a couple, let me give you a couple prayer requests if I could. Um, I'm sure many of you spoke to Miss Charlotte this morning. Please pray for Charlotte and uh, David and Toby and, and uh, McKenna and all that family. And we'll be over at uh, Cabin Cook Funeral Home tomorrow at 1 o'clock. They're going to be receiving friends over there at 1 o'clock, I think from around 1 to 145 or something like that. And then we're going to go over to the graveside and have a graveside service. And so please remember the Holland family, if you would. And then also, I mentioned this in the prayer room tonight, Miss Janie speaks. Miss Janie usually sits right back over here. Uh, Miss Janie's husband, Wayne, has been admitted to Iredell. He has uh, uh, pneumonia, pretty bad, and standing in the need of prayer tonight. Uh, and then I uh, want you to be sure you put Brother Freddie on your prayer, uh, prayer list and pray for Brother Freddie. And uh, he's having a difficult time tonight. And then Brother Todd, and I'm, I know there's many, many others, but those are just a few that were on my, my mind tonight. So remember those. Well, let's stand tonight if, you, if you're able. And um, we're going to talk about a subject that a lot of folks are interested in. We've already received some feedback because you sort of knew the direction we were going to head tonight. And uh, I love it. I, I think if anything, question and answer uh, on Wednesday night, one of the things that question and answer has done for me is as your pastor, it's given me a renewed, it's given me a renewed burden to try to answer the questions that you're asking about the Bible. And so I'm excited about doing the, this tonight. It's going to be super simple, but I believe it's going to be understandable and I believe it'll be a help tonight. So Matthew chapter number 12 in your Bible. So look at verse 22. That's where we're going to start tonight. The Bible says in verse 22, then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And the Bible says, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow, talking about the Lord, this fellow, which shows their disrespect, this fellow, they can't even call him by his name, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub. Now notice that and uh, underline that, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? And therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Now notice very closely verse 31, Jesus said, wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, 
it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. <laughs> That's one of those kind of times where you just want to stop and say, wow. Wow. That is some very plain talk. And uh, I don't always preach with the Red Letter Edition Bible, but I am tonight. And, if, and you notice all those words are in red, which the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking all these words. So let's talk about it a little bit tonight. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? So you may be seated tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. It's been an incredible day today, a wonderful day. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, it's hard to believe that we're already at preaching time on a Sunday night. And in just a few moments, we're heading home. In January the 22nd, 2023, we'll be in the books. And and uh, Lord, it'll be a memory. So Lord, I pray that in the next few moments, Father, that you'd hide us behind the cross. And I pray, Father, that we would try to get everything out of this service that we can, out of the music, out of the singing, and now, Lord, out of the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I feel very sure tonight that the powers of darkness do not want us expounding truth from this pulpit. And so they're going to do everything they can to distract, to destroy, to, to try to draw us away. But I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would do your perfect work. And we're, we're thankful that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So Lord, give the victory tonight. Give us understanding of your word, please. We love you and ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all the Lord's people said, amen, amen. I'm glad you're here tonight. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Well, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is uh, often referred to as the unpardonable sin. And one of the reasons is because it is that one sin, that specific sin that Jesus said can never be forgiven. That's significant. That's, that's, that's worth taking notice about. Uh, very serious, very, very serious in nature. Uh, definitely nothing that you would joke about. And again, again, look at verse 31, if you will. Verse 31, Jesus said, wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin, again, notice the wording here, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But, but, the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Joseph Alexander wrote a poem back in uh, April the 5th, 1837, and later that poem was committed to music, uh, put to music, and the words went something like this. There is a time we know not when, a point we know not where, that marks the destiny of men to glory or despair. There is a line by us unseen that crosses every path, the hidden boundary between God's patience and his wrath. In other words, there is, there, there is a point that you can get to where you cross over God's deadline. Now, you, you can listen to J. Harold Smith's message at a later time, and I would encourage you to do that, called God's Three Deadlines. And, and uh, if you ever listen to that message, you'll never forget it, I promise you that. But, uh, but I wanna talk to you a little bit about the unpardonable sin tonight, and specifically the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So again, this is gonna be a little teachy tonight, but I believe it'll be a help to you. So let me just, let me do this. Let me tell you what the unpardonable sin is not. And, and, and since we're on that, why don't we go ahead and just start out with the most controversial point tonight. So um, 
Let's see here. I can't hardly even remember what, I, what I've got for you on the screen tonight. Okay, there we go. So how about this? Number, number, number one, some falsely believe that the unpardonable sin is the sin of suicide. Um, a, lot of folk, uh, a lot of folk have, have the tendency to believe that if I ever uh, minister to a family and there's been somebody that's taken their own life, usually that's the question that comes up. Preacher, do you think my loved one's in heaven? They took their own life. Do you think my loved one uh, is in heaven? Because they believe that suicide is the unpardonable sin. Now, I will tell you this, uh, that suicide is without a shadow of a doubt one of the most selfish sins that can be committed. It really is. And church, I want to tell you, it never gets that bad. It never gets that bad. Somebody says, preacher, it's so bad that I'm thinking about killing myself. Listen, did you know that there is not, there's not a problem that God cannot solve? Did you know that just when we think, uh, when we think it's just the, the absolute worst, did you know that God can come through? that God can heal, that God can touch, that God can answer a prayer. And somebody says, well, I know, Pastor, but the doctor said this. Well, doctors are good, but how many know that doctors practice medicine? They practice. And so just because the doctor says, well, you know what, you've got a year to live, doesn't mean you've got a year to live. Now, I know they mean well, and I know they're trying to, you know, they're trying to be, you know, just uh, honest with you and that kind of thing. But church, I'm just telling us tonight that it's not over until God Almighty says it's over. And, and so suicide is never the answer. It is, again, one of the most selfish sins ever committed. It's something that your family will never get over. Your kids will never get over that. And so it ought never even enter into the mind of the child of God. And so it is a selfish sin, but suicide is not a unforgivable sin. Uh, it is a, listen, th think about it like this. Suicide is nothing more than murder. It's just self-murder. It's murder. It's just you murdering yourself. Now, what, what about suicide? Suicide breaks the command of God. God says, thou shalt not kill. And so suicide breaks the commands of God, but it's not unforgivable. In fact, if we go through the word of God, we find a number of people throughout the word of God that were guilty of murder. How many remember the story of Moses? When Moses was in Egypt and the Bible says that an Egyptian uh, 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 was uh, mistreating uh, an Israelite, and the Bible says that Moses, who was a little short on temper sometimes, uh, Moses rose up and he smote the Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. Moses was responsible for murder. I thought about David. David uh, sent a, hand, a letter by the hand of Joab and had Uriah set in the forefront of the hottest battle and, and basically just signed the death warrant for Uriah. Uh, David was responsible for murder. Paul, the apostle, held the coats of those who stoned the deacon Stephen. And so you could say that Paul was really responsible for murder. But all those men, God forgave those men and God used those men to do a great work for God. Now, I want you to hold your place in Mark chapter four, but I want you to turn over to Romans chapter eight with me tonight because I know that you're getting some of these questions in the break room uh, and uh, your family members are asking some of these questions. And so I want to give you some scripture tonight to sort of combat this. Somebody says, oh no, preacher, suicide. Uh, suicide is, without a doubt, the unpardonable sin. If you commit suicide, you are going to hell. Well, 
Let's find out what the Bible says, all right? And so look at Romans chapter eight, and I want you to look at verse number 39, then we're gonna turn right back to Mark chapter, uh, I'm sorry, to Matthew chapter 12. Romans eight, verse 38. Look what Paul says here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, for I am persuaded, look at the next three words, that neither what? That neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, I'm telling you that if you've ever come to Christ and you're a believer, there is nothing, I'm telling you, there is nothing on this side of heaven that's gonna separate you from the love of God and from the, the, uh, for, from the, uh, the salvation of the Lord. Now, somebody says, wait a minute, preacher, wait a minute now, but this thing is suicide. The reason that I believe, they say, the reason I believe that suicide is the unpardonable sin is because a person who commits suicide is not able to confess that sin after doing it. And so because they weren't able to confess it, they'll have to go to hell. Well, church, I want to tell you something. When God saved you, God, and when God died for you, when Jesus died for you, he died for all of your sins, past, present, and future. And by the way, for that matter, he died for your confessed sins, and he died for your unconfessed sins. And so suicide is not the unpardonable sin. We'll say something else tonight. How about this? Some believe that the unpardonable sin and the sin unto death are the same. Let's look at that real quickly tonight. Uh, look, look at 1 John chapter 5 in your Bibles. 1 John chapter 5, and look at verse number 16. Some of you have heard some teaching on this, some of you have not. So let's talk about it a little bit tonight. The sin unto death. What is the sin unto death? Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse number 16. Well, the unpardonable sin and the sin unto death are not the same. They're not the same. First John 5, 16, the Bible says, uh, if any man see his brother, so this is talking about Christians, if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death, and I do not say that he shall pray for it. So there is a sin unto death, and this sin unto death is not for lost people. This sin unto death is directed to saved people. So, uh, somebody, and there are some, you know, there are some who say, well, you know what, don't go down to the Baptist church. Because one of the things that they preach and teach all the time at the Baptist church is that you can get saved, and as long as you get saved, you can just live any way you want to live. Well, I want to tell you real quickly, that's never been preached at Calvary Baptist Church. We do not preach that, will not preach that. And by the way, anybody that has that kind of an attitude has probably never been genuinely born again to start with. Uh, listen, if you have a good daddy at home, you're not gonna get away with everything you wanna get away with. Daddy's gonna punish you. Daddy's gonna discipline you. And, uh, and so it is in the family of God. If you're really a part of the family of God, you're not gonna get saved and to just live any way that you want to live, I'm telling you, if you really know the Lord as your Savior, there is a heavenly Father that's going to punish you and discipline you when you get away from him. But what is the sin unto death? If a person becomes a believer, and yet they continue to get away from the Lord, and they live a life of sin, unwilling to repent, God may eventually call that 
child of God, home. That is a sin unto death. Say, so, preacher, I don't understand that. All right, think about this. So here's a little boy. He says, Mama, can I go out and play ball? So some of the guys are getting together in the neighborhood. We're going to go right down the street here. We're going to play ball. Can I go play golf ball? And she says, yes, yes, you may go. But she said, Daddy's going to be home, and we're going to eat supper at 6 o'clock. You understand that? Yes, ma'am. You be home at 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock sharp. We're going to eat supper. We're going to sit down around the table. Go to eat supper. He says, yes, ma'am. He grabs his ball and, and his bat and his, and, and his glove. And man, he goes down there and starts playing. And, and uh, well, they start having a good game. And I mean, it's close. And, and uh, they're hitting and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know what? All of a sudden, six o'clock comes and he doesn't go home. And his mom says, where's that boy at? So she sends sister. And she says, you go down there and you tell him he better get home right away. So sure enough, little sis goes down there to the ball game, and she said, Mama said, you better get home. He said, you can't tell me what to do. I don't care who you are. You can't tell me what to do. And, uh, he, and she says, no, Mama said, you better get home. And he just keeps on playing, keeps on playing, keeps on playing. And uh, sister comes back to the house, and, and uh, you know what? They wait another 30 minutes. He doesn't show up, doesn't show up. And finally, Mama, boy, she, uh, uh, she opens the back door, and she, she calls his name and she says, hey, you better get home right now. And you know what? Still, he disobeys and he doesn't come home. And finally, you know what mama does? Mama walks out of the house. She walks down the street where they're playing ball and she physically gets that little boy and she says, I told you and told you and told you, but you didn't listen. And so now I'm going to physically take you home. Did you know that happens with Christians? When Christians get away from the Lord and the Holy Spirit of God comes and says, the Father said, you better get home. You better get home. You better get back to church. You better get back to serving God. You better get back to reading your Bible. And that rebellious Christian says, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. And God in his mercy says, I'm telling you, child, you better come home. You better come home. And they continue to rebel and continue to bristle and don't do the will of God. Finally, God, God will take that child home. My dear friend, I believe this. I believe that is the sin unto death. And by the way, nobody ever wants to get to that place. But it's not the unpardonable sin. So what is, what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Well, I believe this. I believe it's important we understand what blasphemy is. So what is blasphemy? That's a word we don't even, uh, don't, don't maybe even use a whole lot. So somebody says, well, preacher, how about cursing? Is cursing blasphemy? Or, or, or how about gossip, preacher? Is gossip, is that blasphemy or profanity? If I were to use profanity, uh, is that, is that uh, blasphemy? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, I don't believe it is. I believe this. I believe it would be considered corrupt communications, which is something the child of God is never to be involved in. According to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the ear. So very simply tonight, church, you and I are never, we're never to be involved in corrupt communication. Sometimes you know people, and I do too, and they claim to be saved, and yet they use the same dirty words and the, and the same 
language that the world uses and they just say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, I want to say to them, you better change. You better change because that's corrupt communication. And we're never to be involved in corrupt communication. By the way, tell me, let me tell you some reasons that we should not be involved in corrupt communication. Number one, because we're gonna answer for every idle word. By the way, same chapter we were reading a while ago, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Listen to this. Jesus said, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And so God doesn't want us just using idle words. We're going to give an account for those idle words. But I'll tell you something else. Because our words possess power. Proverbs 18, verse 21, the Bible says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Oh, listen, I am amazed sometimes at how recklessly people use their words. Boy, sometimes folks don't think, they just don't think at all, do they? before they say stuff. It's just, even, even in the church sometimes, I'm thinking, wow, seriously? I mean, b- before you even think about it, you just say things to other brothers and sisters in Christ? Listen, we need to understand something. Man, our words have power. Our words can heal or our words can hurt. Our words can, can encourage or our words can discourage. We have power. You say, preacher, it's just me. No, you, you, your words. The Bible says your words have power. And because of that, we're to be very careful about the words that we use. Why should we be careful about corrupt communication? How about this? Because God despises those who sow discord among the brethren. And by the way, church, that's usually a sin that's committed verbally. Now, we hit on that the other night, so I won't do that tonight. But Proverbs 6, verse 16 says it like this. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And the Bible says in verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. So this is all I'm saying. Blasphemy and corrupt communication, two different things. But we should be, not be involved in either one. We shouldn't be involved in blasphemy, and we shouldn't be involved in corrupt communication, but what is blasphemy? What is blasphemy? The Bible says in Matthew 12, verse 31, wherefore I say unto you, all men of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. It's the Greek word blasphemia. And it means this, blasphemy literally means vilification. Vilification, but especially against God. If you want a few other Definitions, it means slander or detraction. It means injurious speech to another's good name. Now, follow me closely. And I told you we're gonna be short tonight, and we are gonna be short. We're gonna be out of here in just a few minutes. Let me tell you what the Bible's teaching us here. Did you know that a person can vilify God's name and still be forgiven? And by the way, for that matter, they're doing it all the time more than we've ever heard it in our life. Now, I I know I'm just teaching. I'm not preaching tonight. But I want all of our kids, all of our teenagers, I want you to look up here at the preacher tonight, and I want to tell you something. When you use the words, oh, my God, and you are not directing those words to him, you have just used God's name in vain. 
and you have just broken a command of God. God said, don't use my name like some kind of a slur word or a slang word. And somebody says, well, preacher, that's just, you know, that's just 2023. No, that's just sin in 2023. And so I know it's the popular thing. I know it's what everybody's doing. But just because it seems like everybody's doing it doesn't mean that that people of God ought to be doing it. And so whatever you're saying, oh my God, be sure that you're directing directing that in a respectful way and praising him and never using his name uh, in, a, uh, in a slanderous way. But, 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 but we, we see it every day. We're hearing it all the time. It's, it's the new catchphrase. People are just using the name of the Lord in vain. And yet, boy, they better be glad about this, that when you do, thank God you can be forgiven. I'll tell you something else. You can slander the name of Jesus and still receive forgiveness. And we're seeing that happen too, aren't we? People get mad at a little something and they say, Jesus Christ. And I want to say to them, would you please not take my Savior's name in vain? He died for me. And, uh, but, but somebody that uses his name as a slang term, boy, thank God they can be forgiven. But I'm going a little step further. Did you know that technically... You can even vilify the name of the Holy Spirit and God will still forgive you. Now hang with me. You say, preacher, whoa, whoa, no, hang with me. Did you know several years ago, there was this big campaign and some people were trying to confuse young people and, uh, and uh, in defiance against the Lord and people were going on the internet and they were saying, I blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But just because somebody says the words, I blaspheme the Holy Spirit, doesn't necessarily mean that they have blasphemed the Holy Spirit or or done the unpardonable sin. Listen closely. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was committed when the scribes clearly observed the miraculous power of God in Jesus Christ and then attributed that power to the devil. Let's look at it, though. Let's look at it. Look at, uh, look at uh, Matthew chapter 12 again in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 12 and look at verse 22. And we're almost done. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And the Bible says, and he, Jesus, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Look at verse 23. The Bible says, and all the people were what? All the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? Now, church, that's saying something. Did you know that's a direct reference to the Messiah? And so when they saw the Lord Jesus Christ heal this man in such a powerful way, this is what they said. This must be him. This must be the one we're waiting on. This must be the son of David. This must be the Messiah. Look at verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by, notice the word, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Now, who in the world is Beelzebub? Listen to this. Beelzebub, there was a group of people back in Bible days called the Phoenicians. And the Phoenicians had a God, and his name was Beelzebub. Now, this is a little gross, but it's, but, but it's a fact. You can check this out. Beelzebub was the god of carrion 
or rottenness or manure. And uh, here's what would happen. There would be a dead animal laying on the side of the road or there would be a pile of manure laying on the side of the road. The flies would come by and they would begin to land on this manure. They'd begin to land on this dead carrion. And they would, of course, deposit their eggs in this rottenness. And then a little bit later, you know what happens? The maggots, the maggots would begin to crawl. And the Phoenician people would look at that and they didn't understand, they didn't understand the science. They didn't understand that the flies had, had caused that to happen. And because they begin to see the maggots and they begin to see the life crawling in this deadness, the Phoenicians said, this must be a God. And they called it Beelzebub. Now, wait a minute now, church. There's something significant here. This is exactly who the scribes are attributing the power of Christ to. I mean, the worst of the worst, the lowest of the lowest, the, the God of deadness and rottenness. And they said, you know what? You know why? You know how he did this? He did it by the power of Beelzebub. Now, here's what's going on. These scribes and Pharisees recognized that no man could do what Jesus had just done. They also recognized that the people were acknowledging him as the Messiah. This is the son of David. This is him. We've been waiting on him. This is the ones the prophets have been preaching about. And so their only recourse was to do the unthinkable, to associate the power of God with Satan and the power of the Holy Spirit with Satan. And this is what Jesus is saying. If a person is so lost in their sin and so hard-hearted and unwilling to turn to the Lord that they're willing to associate the power of the Holy Spirit to Satan, that person can never be saved. So just because, and you should never do it, but just because somebody says some careless little phrase doesn't mean they've committed the unpardonable sin. But church, I'm gonna tell you something. When you see the power of God and you're willing to attribute that to the power of Satan, according to scripture, you've just committed the unpardonable sin. Now, you, you can close your Bibles. We're done tonight. But you say, preacher, what is, what, what is this all about in a nutshell? Well, hey, let me end on a pause on a note tonight. Usually that God... God desires his people to recognize that the Lord has all power. And we're to praise him for his miracles and his creation. Listen to Matthew 28, verse 18. The Bible says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And you know what God wants us to do, church? He wants us to just recognize, man, he's a great God. He has almighty power, amazing power. And when you see miracles happen and folks coming to Christ and lives changed, you know what? Just give him praise. Just give him praise and say, man, he's great. He's great. And if you say, oh my God, be saying it like this. Oh my God, you are wonderful. Hey, make sure you're giving him praise. Read an interesting story. 1715, 17, King Louis XIV died after having reigned for 72 years he reigned. And they said that King Louis was very caught up on himself. In fact, he called himself the great, the great. In fact, there were times when King Louis said, I am the state. I'm not just over the state, I am the state. 
They said his court was the most magnificent in Europe. And when he died, his funeral was one of the most spectacular funerals that's ever been put on. They said that he was laid in state in a golden coffin, solid gold coffin. And this is what he ordered. He said, as people come by to see King Louis XIV, I want all the lights out except one solitary candle over the casket. And that candle was supposed to say, there's only one that is great, and that's King Louis. And they said that thousands came by that day. And they, when they began to start that service, and maybe he did this to the peril of his life, but they said one of the ministers that was officiating that service, when they started that service, he reached down and he snuffed out that candle. And this is what he said, only God is great. Amen. Only God. And you know what, church? May we end on that note tonight. Only God is great. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this time we've had together today. Lord, I pray tonight, I don't think there's any danger of anybody in this service committing the unpardonable sin. But Lord, there may be danger of us using corruptible language. Father, I pray you'd help us to be so careful with our words. Father, there could be somebody here tonight, although they've not blasphemed the Holy Spirit, Lord, it could be they've taken the name of the Lord in vain. Lord, I pray tonight that would change. Lord, I pray from now on, when we, whenever we use your name, Father, we'll use it with the utmost respect and reverence. Truly, Lord, you are a great God. In fact, Lord, when Hannah prayed her little prayer in 1 Samuel 2, verse 2, this is what she said. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Father, you're great. You're great. And Heavenly Father, we recognize you as great tonight. Lord, why do we come back on Sunday night? Because you're great. You're worthy. Why do we come back on, on Wednesday night? You're great. Why do we do what we do? Why do people stay here all day long and practice and prepare? Because you're great. You're worthy. Father, why are we gonna serve in 2023? Why are we gonna stay faithful by the grace of God? Why are we gonna read our Bibles and pray? Why are we gonna forgive others and love other people, win souls? Father, it comes down to this. You're worthy, you're great, and we praise you for it tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Right before we go tonight, I wonder if there might be one here this evening who would say, preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. It could be somebody slipped in and I, I haven't even seen you, but you're here tonight. You say, preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one anywhere and you'd let me pray for you tonight, young or old, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved, okay, all right. Let me ask you this. 
How many are here tonight? And you'd say, Pastor, I'm saved. I've got the heaviest burden right now in my heart. There's something, something going on in, in my family, in my life, my job, my health. But there's something, the Lord knows about it. And I just need somebody to pray for me. Preacher, I just need you to pray for me. And if that's you tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed, you just slip your hand up right now and you'd say, Preacher, God knows what, what it's about. Would you pray for me tonight? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Amen, amen, amen. Yes, 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 yes. Probably too many hands to try to recognize tonight. Preacher, pray for me. There's something. God knows what it's about. I just need prayer tonight. I need prayer. Let's all stand around the house tonight. Father, I thank you for your blessings. Lord, I thank you for what you've done this week. Thank you for what you've done today. Thank you for those that have been saved and baptized. Father, thank you for the response. Thank you for the tenderness. Lord, thank you for the, the hands that have been lifted tonight. And I don't know all that's going on, but I know this. I know you're a problem-solving God. Father, I know you're able to give grace. I know you're able to help. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that you'd minister grace and encouragement to our people. Father, I pray that you'd, you'd lead them through, Lord, the, the dark places. Father, I pray you'd give them a peace that passeth all understanding. And I pray that through it all, that Jesus would receive praise and glory from it. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You know what, we're gonna pause just for a moment, just in case somebody needs to slip out to the altar. And I'm gonna make my way to the main floor just for a moment. And if we can pray with you or help you or uh, be a blessing to you, we're gonna be here for a little bit. And so you come tonight while we wait. We'll pause just for a moment, okay? Didn't preach very long tonight. You come while we wait and we'll, we'll pray with you tonight.